1: deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It's almost as if the media are cheering are hoping for the president to get this Wuhan, China, coronavirus. So you're not allowed to say Wuhan or Chinese coronavirus. Even though the media have said it over and over again, we're told now not to say it. Joe Biden told us today, don't use those words. It's xenophobic or some kind of phobic. In fact, here's a montage of the media calling it, and that is saying calling it Wuhan or Chinese coronavirus is racist, and I'm giving you this for a reason. Cut five, go.
1: This is all happening in a time that we're starting to see a message shift here because you're starting to hear the Republicans, especially Trump Co., calling it the Wuhan or the Chinese coronavirus. They're looking for someone to blame.
2: Concern is growing this morning over an outbreak of a new SARS-like virus in China. At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus, the Wuhan coronavirus, the Wuhan coronavirus.
3: The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. The
2: Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. What more can you tell us about the similarities or differences between SARS and the Wuhan coronavirus? The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus in China. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. From The Wuhan coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. Fears continue to grow over the outbreak of the Wuhan coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. We have new information about how the Wuhan. Coronavirus is spread. Tying coronavirus to China and Chinese people isn't just a racist dog whistle. It's a whole racist orchestra. It's a mighty, mighty racist boss tone.
0: Thanks to our friends at uh, MRC. Now, I want you to listen to this, and then you'll understand how corrupt and deceitful and counterproductive the American media actually are and how totally in sync the American media and the Democrat Party are. There's a piece entitled, Inside China's High-Stakes Campaign to Smear the United States Over Coronavirus. This came out late this morning. If you listened, this is, uh, by the way, from Fox, if you listened to Chinese state-run media, you'd think President Trump went to China and released vials of, COVID-19, that's the coronavirus, on groups of unsuspecting men, women, and children. Beijing has been bending over backwards, trying to convince the world that the United States is the real culprit behind the quickly spreading virus that's already claimed more than 4,600 lives across the globe. It's a high-stakes strategy for the Asian nation, fighting to keep its superpower status amid a national lockdown and palpable anger over claims that Wuhan, China, the epicenter of the coronavirus, at first covered it up, triggering a worldwide health and economic crisis. Now I'm going here, unlike most of the other radio and TV hosts who sit there and just cut to death the President of the United States over a phrase, over a statement here, there, and so forth. I'm not playing that game. It's outrageous. When Franklin Roosevelt will give a speech, the media didn't do that to him. When John Kennedy would give a speech, the media didn't do that to him. God knows Joe Biden, the media don't do it to him. I'm not going to sit here in the middle of this, what now is called a pandemic, and play word games. So let's go on. Because this is serious what's taking place also behind the scenes with the Chinese government. The Chinese government has already published a book in English with translations in the works in French, Spanish, Russian, and Arabic, touting its handling of the deadly disease. A battle against epidemic, China combating COVID-19 in 2020, is a mishmash of glowing state media reports on the accomplishments of President Xi Jinping, the Communist Party, and the dominance of the Chinese system in fighting the crisis. At best... China's aggressive new campaign can be chalked up to ambitious propaganda. At its worst, it is a reckless display from a country that has actively misled the world while working overtime to save its own skin, foreign affairs expert Gordon Chang told Fox News. Chang believes Beijing has been laying the groundwork for a PR attack against the United States for more than a month. First, by throwing doubt on the origins of COVID 19, and second, by <laughs> by slamming America's handling previous diseases, like the swine flu, which decimated China's pork industry. On Thursday, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian tweeted that the U.S. military might have brought the coronavirus to Wuhan, China. Quote, When did patient zero begin in U.S.? How many people are infected? What are the names of the hospitals? It might be U.S. Army who brought the epidemic to Wuhan. Be transparent. Make public your data. U.S. owe us an explanation," Zhao said. "See how the communist regime works, much like the American media, much like Bernie Sanders, much like Joe Biden today." It goes on. A few days earlier, Lin Zhangshin, China's ambassador to South Africa, said quote, "Although the epidemic first broke out in China, It did not necessarily mean that the virus is originated from China, let alone made in China. Vague and misleading statements like the one from Lin are ripped right out of China's propaganda playbook and attempt to sow doubt about the global crisis. Chinese officials have also pushed back on the expression, Wuhan, uh, this is what I want you to listen to. Wuhan coronavirus, saying the name used frequently by U.S. conservative commentators unfairly stigmatized the world's most populous country. Now, you heard the MRC montage of how the media were more than happy to say the Wuhan coronavirus, the Wuhan virus, the Chinese virus. Now you see it's racist. Where did they get that idea? They got it from the communist Chinese government. They're mouthing the propaganda of the Chinese communist government. Bernie Sanders is, Joe Biden is, every major host in every major newsroom in America is now mouthing what the Chinese government is telling them to mouth. Gordon Chang says it's just another tactic in China's playbook, carefully choreographed to make America's Americans look petty and racist. This is an all-out assault on the United States, Chang said. And again, ladies and gentlemen, I'll say it, our media are more than happy to accommodate the regime in China. Just remember how much praise they received for the New York Times' top opinion writer, Thomas Friedman. In December, when the coronavirus was first detected in Wuhan, many media around the world began referring to it as the Wuhan virus. But last month, the World Health Organization renamed the illness COVID-19, so as not to link it to a specific location or group of people. Why not? This is how the propagandists and the demagogues conduct themselves, ladies and gentlemen. So there's more attack and focus and nitpicking and backstabbing of Donald Trump, you hear it from commentators, conservative, liberal, everything in between, news people, opinion makers, so forth, than there is the regime in China. The name change didn't stop some, like Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who blew past warnings and deliberately referred to it as the Wuhan virus, after China's foreign ministry called it highly irresponsible to do so. President Trump's National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien, went even further. Unfortunately, he said, rather than using best practices, this outbreak in Wuhan was covered up, O'Brien said at the Heritage Foundation. There's lots of open source reporting from China, from Chinese nationals, that the doctors involved were either silenced or put in isolation, or that sort of thing, so that the word of this virus could not get out. It probably cost the world community two months. And he's right. I've talked about two of those citizen journalists. They're missing. There's actually a total of eight who were the first. And one of those doctors, the first doctor, an an ophthalmologist actually, who first uncovered this, he's missing or dead. But instead, we get lectures that Americans must be racist if they call it the Chinese or Wuhan virus, because the Chinese propaganda machine is very effective in America's newsrooms and very effective on America's college campuses. O'Brien said if experts would have had those two months to get ahead of the spread of the virus... Quote, I think we would have dramatically curtailed what happened both in China and what's now happening across the world. Senator Rubio, Marco Rubio, said the Communist Party is pointing the finger at the U.S. so it can dampen discontent back home. He said the Chinese military portal, Zilu.com, recently published an article baselessly claiming that the virus is a biochemical weapon produced by the United States to target China. Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton has frequently used the term Wuhan virus on the Senate floor. I've used it repeatedly right here behind the microphone. Tom Cotton will be a guest on this program in hour three. Boy, we have a program today. Dr. Mark Siegel will be a guest on this program in hour two. My good friend Stephen A. Smith on what's happening in sports will be a guest on this program in 15 or 20 minutes. Instead of backing down, Chang believes officials should keep calling COVID-19 the Wuhan virus and push back on accusations of racism. This isn't a Republican thing, he says. We all need to unite and for people to say this is racist, is irresponsible. There's no race known as Wuhanese. Chang also said calling COVID-19 the Wuhan virus or Chinese coronavirus keeps pressure on the Chinese government and forces it to be held accountable by the rest of the world for its initial response to the global crisis, which was widely regarded as abysmal. Have you heard this today from anywhere else? Of course not. Instead, it's let's beat up Trump. Let's beat up the American health care system. Let's beat up the American insurance companies and the pharmaceutical. Let's do-. No. Let's speak the real facts. We should say righteously. Righteously, says Gordon. That the U.S. owes China, excuse me, Uh, let's see, oh, the state news agency, Xinhua, in China says, we should say righteously, the U.S. owes China an apology. The world owes China a thank you. Also peculiar is that Beijing, which is normally quick to censor news, has refused to step in as a wave of anti-American conspiracy theories flood the Internet. Among the rumors is that the U.S. created the coronavirus to make China look bad as well as one that accuses the government of covering up thousands of deaths by classifying them as regular flu. It's more than just disinformation or an official narrative. Xi an adjunct professor at the University of California, Berkeley Schools of Information, told the Washington Post, it's an orchestrated, all-out campaign by the Chinese government through every channel at a level you rarely see. It's a counter-offensive. So I want to thank... Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, the DNC, Schumer, Pelosi, Swalwell, and all the other sickos. And I want to thank Don Lemon, Fredo Cuomo, Jake Tapper, and all the rest of the phony journalists on behalf of the Chinese genocidal communist regime. Thank you. Thank you for being their mouthpieces while undermining your own country because that is exactly what you're doing you disgust me i'll be right back
3: i've
0: been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the hillsdale college mission learning character faith and freedom we focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning but what about character Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for LevinforHillsdale.com. All right, I made a mistake. It happens. Stephen A. Smith is scheduled, <laughs> excuse me, to come on at the top of the hour. Assuming he's allowed to, but I think he's allowed to. We'll see. We're not going to discuss politics. These guys at ESPN. I don't want to get into politics. I want to get him in trouble. I want to talk about what's going on in the sports world. I'm no expert on sports. He is. That's a fact, Jack. By the way, we are operating in a different environment too. As our studio, and the building that our studio is located in, is being, I don't know, what do you call It's being treated. Because an individual there, not among my team, but an individual there had uh, the, the Wuhan coronavirus. Therefore, we have been moved to a different facility. And the satellite broadcast is actually being redirected. We had to work all day on this, our folks did, and I want to thank them. So we have a different phone number if you want to call in for tonight. A different phone uh, number for tonight. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Here's the number. Different. 866-505-4626. 866-505-4626. If you want to push back against the Communist Chinese and their propaganda effort, and the idiots in the American media, you call it the Wuhan coronavirus. W-U-H-A-N. That's where it started. Wuhan, China. And they have a China, the communist regime in China is conducting an all-out propaganda campaign against the United States and against President Trump. And our press and the Democrat Party and the Never Trumpers are more than happy to accommodate them. More than happy to burp up their arguments. More than happy to rip our country. Wittingly and unwittingly. So they're now spewing the official party line of the Communist Party in China. That's what they're doing. There's simply no question about it. I want you to hear Biden today. Cut to, Mr. Producer, go.
4: And we also we will lead by science. The World Health Organization now has officially officially declared COVID nineteen a pandemic downplaying it, being overly dismissive, or spreading misinformation is only going to hurt us and further advantage the spread of the disease. But neither should we panic or fall back on xenophobia, labeling COVID-19 a foreign All right, virus.
0: Let, 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 let's just stop as he barely can read his script. It's not advantage, it's advance, the spread of the disease. That's fine. But you see, only Joe Biden believes in science. Only liberals believe in science. Only the climate change crowd believes in science. The rest of us, of course, don't believe in science. When we see a baby being aborted, you see, we don't believe in science. When we see a, a baby that's been born, that they leave on a steel table to die because they won't give it medical attention, you see, we don't believe in science. Only the pro-choicers, quote-unquote, believe in science. I'll be right back. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning, but what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. LevinforHillsdale.com. Of course, the Democrats are very, very concerned about how we're handling this virus. Because, you see, ladies and gentlemen, they're responsible for nothing. They're accountable to no one. They're not in charge of anything. They're not in charge of a single department of the federal government. They don't have the presidency or the vice presidency. They can say whatever they want, what they would do, how people are screwing up and so forth and so on. And they can and they are spewing the propaganda of the red Chinese government. You cannot say Wuhan virus, Wuhan virus or Chinese virus. Wuhan coronavirus is the most accurate description of what we're talking about. It's true. And the Chinese government's out there trashing the president of the United States, just like the American media and just like these candidates running for president. So I ask you, do you think Joe Biden's conducting himself in a responsible way or trying to exploit a potential crisis? Do you think Joe Biden could in any way manage this when he can't even manage to complete a sentence? What about Joe Biden saying if you call it the Wuhan or China virus, that you're a racist and a bigot? He's repeating exactly what the Red Chinese Politburo is telling people to say. But he's not done. Cut four, Mr. Producer, go.
4: We must know the true extent of this outbreak so we can map it, trace it, and contain it.
0: Now, this is, this is a bizarre comment. That's exactly what these institutions of the federal government are trying to do. And Joe Biden should know it, since his former boss, Obama, was in charge of these, these operations in the past. Nothing's changed. But he wants you to think he sounds much more like the, the guy that can manage this. When, of course, he can't even manage to tie his shoes. And he doesn't even have tie shoes. Is loafers. Go ahead. Nor should we hide the true number of infections in hope of protecting political interest or the stock market. Nobody's hiding anything. You can't turn on a television today without seeing numbers. Numbers of how many people have it, how many people have died, without any context whatsoever. It's like you're watching a basketball game. They have numbers, two sets of numbers. It's really quite appalling. I have no idea today how many people have cancer and how many people died from cancer this year. Or heart disease and heart attacks, or strokes, or automobile accidents, or anything else. I'm sure if the media could figure out how to exploit that and upset you, they would do that. That's not to say this isn't serious. It is serious. Organizations that are funded by left-wing billionaires and are propagandists for the Democrat Party, like Mediaite and Media Matters, they don't take this seriously. They're busy with politics as usual, playing gotcha, promoting Biden, promoting Sanders, trashing Trump, and on and on and on. Go ahead. The markets will respond strong to strong, steady, and capable
4: leadership that addresses the root of the problem, not efforts to cover it up.
0: Nobody's trying to cover it. This is such an outrageous, blasphemous statement. It's so outrageous. The markets will respond to whatever the markets respond to, whether it's Russia and Saudi Arabia fighting over oil, whether it's the Wuhan coronavirus. The markets will respond. They may well be responding to the Democrats like Biden and Sanders and Pelosi and Schumer. Who knows? But you have almost a daily press event with the vice president and the president's team. Almost a daily press event with the President of the United States. So I'm not buying this. All right, let's take a little rest, but we'll continue this in a minute. We have Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith, how are you, my friend?
1: My buddy. What's going on, my man? How are you doing?
0: I'm okay. How have you been?
1: Uh, I got, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm quite depressed. You know sports inundates my life, and I've yes. never experienced anything like uh, we're experiencing now. The NCAA just canceled the men's and women's college basketball tournament, there will be no March Madness. The NBA suspended uh, the the season last night. Uh, We don't know when that's going to come back up. Major League Baseball just announced two hours ago they're canceling spring training and pushing the start of their season back at least two weeks. So in in the National Hockey League, the same thing. It's just utterly devastating right now. If you're a sports fan, um, I can't recall a day in American history that you've had had a worse day in sports than today because there's absolutely positively no sporting events that's going to be taking place.
0: And yet, Stephen A. Smith, what else could these
1: leagues do? Nothing, nothing. Uh, Especially, listen, the NBA Commissioner Adam Silver was on the phone with all 30 owners yesterday for hours. Mm -hmm. And you had some owners that were reticent about playing a game without the fans in attendance because they were very reluctant to do that, and they had proposed maybe postponing or stalling the season for about three to four weeks or whatever as a worst-case scenario. But ultimately, their intent was to limit the amount of fans in attendance um, and still go out there and play the games because of the TV contracts, the, the, the exorbitant billions of dollars that they're getting with their TV contracts, et cetera. But I knew, Mark, that the second one single player tested positive, all of that would change. And sure enough, last night, literally a minute before tip-off time, uh, both Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz learned that Rudy Gobert, the center out of France for the Utah Jazz, had tested positive positive for the coronavirus. Um, And so ultimately you just knew, and sure enough, within a matter of within the hour, the NBA had announced that they were suspending the entire season until further notice. So you kind of knew that was going to happen the second one player tested positive. Because remember, they're not, you're not talking about just sneezing on somebody or shaking hands, Mark. You're talking about sweat. You're out oh, there yeah. sweating and perspiring and banging bodies and, you know, sweat being transferred and all of that stuff. Not to mention the sweat on your hands, the sweat that you put on a basketball, the multitude of germs that touches a basketball so you knew that this was going to be the ultimate effect of it all
0: what do you think's going to happen with the olympics
1: um, I think at the rate it's going right now, I don't see how you can have it. I mean, because this is not just something that's happening in the United States of America where uh, uh, an abundance of nations get to dismiss it. Italy's got an issue with it. Japan's got an issue with it. South Korea has an issue with it. China uh, has 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 had an issue with it. Um, so there's a multitude of nations involved that it's affecting. Remember the star actor Tom Hanks and his wife uh, supposedly, purportedly, uh he learned about it when he was in Australia. And so as a result of it, and with the World Health Organization labeling this a pandemic, uh there's just no way around it. I don't know how the Olympics can go forward unless somehow, some way, uh you find a cure for the situation. If you don't do that, I don't know how we can move forward. It remains to be seen.
0: Let me ask you this. And I want to thank you for coming off. I know you have another sure. obligation here. But I went No problem. Let, let me ask you that. What do you do as a sportscaster? when all these you know what? sporting events are
1: they're not happening. Mark, mark that's going to be the biggest challenge of my career right now it's not much of a challenge because the story is obviously this issue and mm-hmm. so you go on and you talk about this issue you talk about the profound effect that it has on the on on various leagues you know whether it's be football basketball baseball or anything else but ultimately mark After you do that, after that story subsides to some degree, even though it still exists because teams are not playing or whatever, you can only talk about it so much. So it's going to be an incredible challenge uh, for us to think about the kind of things that we're going to talk about in my industry if there are no games and no competition to actually talk about. It's an interesting question that I simply don't have the answer to at this moment in time.
0: And, you know, as this goes on, Stephen A. Smith, depending on how long it goes on, this can affect sports for years to come. You got these farm teams, you got the minor leagues, you got college, you got high school players and everything else who aren't gonna be playing.
1: No question about it. And and listen, like I said, it's an incredible challenge. Uh, but you know what? You have challenges every day when you go to work to perform your job, and you handle your business in an exceptional manner that few can do it. I plan on doing the same. Somehow, some way, come hella high water, uh, I'm gonna find a way to do my job and entertain my viewers and listeners and do whatever the hell I have to do. But I have to tell you, it's an incredibly daunting task. And when you consider the the, the love that I have of the world of sports it would be one thing if something happened and the sport was canceled or whatever but for all of them to go down it's, it's, it's simply unbelievable I remember the cancellation of the World Series in 1994 as I'm sure you remember oh, yeah. but you know what you might have had to do without it for a few months or whatever but there was still football basketball etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, you know, 9-11 took place, nothing compared to that, that catastrophe that we endured in 2001. So what happened? They, Be- you know, uh, baseball resumed 10 days later. Ultimately, the football season, uh, still went on in this particular situation. Obviously, a pandemic has taken place. You know, this as a result, every single sports league had to respond because you have to make sure that there isn't. Just a cadre of individuals or huge crowds that are together, uh, possibly infecting one another. They've got to figure this out. And, you know, collectively, as the human race, we literally need to and must come together, not just to figure out a core, but to uplift everybody involved. That's what we have to do.
0: Let me ask you this while I still have you. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be crass, but do these Mm -hmm. players get paid? Do these teams make money? Somebody going to go broke?
1: Well, I know that the teams are the teams are going to lose money, uh, but I think the players' contracts, matter of fact, I'm pretty sure the players' contracts are guaranteed. Uh, it's not in the case of a disaster, whatever, that you don't get paid. Uh, we have to pay tribute to a guy like Mark Cuban, the owner for the Dallas Mavericks, who spoke on this issue last night in the immediate aftermath. He was sitting courtside when he learned that the season was canceled because, remember, it was a decision that came down from the commissioner. Yes, he had talked to the owners earlier in the day, but then they played games that night, not knowing that a player had, had contracted uh, the coronavirus. And so, one, upon learning that, being shown uh, the, the, the story by his VP, uh, by his media VP guy, uh, Mark Cuban, damn near collapsed in the chair, couldn't believe it that the commissioner came down and made the decision, but stood up, immediately supported the commissioner, then went on national TV and went into the post game and said, folks are going to be paid for the next four games or so. And then after that, we'll figure it out. And of course the players contracts are guaranteed. So the likelihood is that they will be paid as well, but make no mistake about it. The owners are going to lose money. And if the owners lose money, then it affects the salary cap that kicks in next year, because the salary cap is based on projected income as well as real income. And so as a result, if the salary cap is exponentially lower than you had anticipated, then Mm -hmm. somehow, some way, that's going to trickle down to the players because teams are not going to be allowed to pay for so much money. So those who have guaranteed contracts are fine. But in terms of going out there, getting additional players, adding additional players to the roster or the amount of money that you were once obligated to spend, that may not be the case moving forward, depending on the amount of money teams lose because of this virus.
0: And you know, Stephen A., it's not just the athletes. What about all the people? who clean the stadiums and all the people who handle the yes. food and all these people. All these people are not have guaranteed crap. They're all going to be affected by this.
1: Without question, because they don't have the guaranteed contracts. You know, you're going to have owners like Mike H- uh, Mark Cuban, who out of the kindness of his heart was trying to subsidize them to some degree, but it's not going to be to the same degree that he would have uh, taken care of them in the event that there was no coronavirus That had infected the world. And so as a result of that, you know that these people are going to suffer. They're going to lose money. But, you know, in your world, think about businesses. Think about Mm -hmm. restaurants that are not going to be patronized. Think about airlines and and, and trains and all of this other stuff. This is is incredible. It's going to have an incredibly profound effect not just on our society, but societies globally throughout Mm -hmm. the world, because this is not a virus that has been limited to the corridors of the United States of America. It is global right now. Everybody knows it, and that's why it's important that all hands come together. We stand on deck, and we make sure we do what we can to uplift every single soul that we can.
0: Stephen A., we both have to go. Let me just say this. I'm your biggest damn fan. you know that? I am your biggest fan. I put that on TV when I am forced to exercise. I put your show on TV. I don't know about this guy, Kellerman, or whatever his name is, Max. But uh, that said, but, uh, you should be doing more than sports. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I will. God bless you, my I will. friend.
1: Stay tuned. God bless you, man. It's always good to talk to you.
0: All right. Take care. Love that guy. We'll be right back.
1: Much in.
0: I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning, but what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. LevinforHillsdale.com. I don't think I'm going to have time to do it in the few minutes we have left this hour, but next hour, I want to tell you what's happening on Capitol Hill on a bill dealing with the Wuhan virus and how the Democrats are trying to pour long-standing policy priorities into this bill and how the Secretary of Treasury, as my understanding, is more than happy to abide them and oblige their demands. Just, uh, It's just appalling. We've got a lot to get to when we come back we're also going to have Dr. Mark Siegel here in an hour too. Very rarely do I have three guests in one show. Very rarely do I have two. Actually, very rarely do I have one. But I don't. I don't have uh, steadfast rules here other than to try and get the facts and get them to you as quickly as I can. There's a piece in the Washington Beacon by Charles Fain Lehman, and it's entitled "Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste." Democrats cite Wuhan virus to push long-standing policy priorities. I want to let you know what's going on in the Democrat House of Representatives as they try to push their radical agenda and a bill that is ostensibly supposed to be dealing with the Wuhan Chinese corona virus. I'll be right back.
1: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
0: Oh, that number's wrong. Check that. Forget that. We're using a different number tonight, as we're using all kinds of different satellites and configurations. Here's the number, 866-505-4626, 866-505-4626. Mr. Producer, I'm going to rely on you to let me know in the course of the program who is calling in, since I can't pull up that number, okay? Okay. I was talking about uh, what's going on on Capitol Hill and the way the media are reporting this, the red Chinese media based in America called CNN, MSNBC, and the rest of them. Uh, you would think that the Democrats and the Republicans and the White House are just trying to work out details. That's not what's going on on Capitol Hill. And thanks to the Washington Free Beacon, let me tell you, Charles Fain Lehman writes as the nation braces for the effects of the Wuhan coronavirus. And by the way, you'll know whether a person is a propagandist for the regime in China or not by the way they label this this virus. If they call it the Wuhan coronavirus or the Chinese coronavirus, then you'll know they're not influenced by the propagandists in the regime in China. They call it something like uh, Code 19 or whatever numbers and letters they want to get. Then you'll know that they're mouthpieces for the red Chinese government. Congressional Democrats and left-leaning groups have seized on the moment of crisis to push for the enactment of long-standing policy goals. Legislation introduced by House and Senate Democrats has snuck in universal employer-funded sick leave not that you employers have enough difficulty going on right now, but the Democrats don't care about that, alongside temporary emergency measures, potentially shuttering employers, and serving as a poison pill to slow congressional negotiations. Democratic electoral groups, meanwhile, have already included the coronavirus in their attack ad messaging, while left-leaning policy organizations have called for substantial reductions In incarceration and enforcement in alignment with their pre-existing policy goals. Such efforts to push through long-standing legislative priorities recall the attitude of former Obama White House Chief of Staff Rahm Emanuel during the Great Recession. You never let a serious crisis go to waste. House Democrats, Wednesday, yesterday, released their proposal for a comprehensive fiscal response to the impending pandemic. Much of the bill pertains to emergency related funding, including a, an additional half a billion dollars for SNAP and guaranteed sick leave for individuals quarantined with the disease. But the bill's sick leave section creates new obligations for employers to allow employees to accrue sick leave regardless of whether or not there's a national crisis, and which will persist after the pandemic is over. In effect, the bill would impose a paid leave mandate on employers nationwide, independent of current emergency conditions, a long-standing legislative priority of Democrats, which Republicans have consistently opposed for fear of cost. See, the Democrats know how to kill jobs. They don't know how to create jobs, so they know how to kill jobs. And this is what they're trying to do now, to push in their agenda. The big labor's agenda the radical left's agenda, the big agenda. The bill's sick leave section creates new obligations for employers to allow employees to accrue sick leave, as I said. Senator Patty Mary scored approving headlines for attempting and failing to pass a proposal for for employer-funded sick leave through the Senate Health Committee. Senator Lamar Alexander blocked her efforts, saying that while universal sick leave would be a good idea The federal government should pay the cost, not small employers already facing an impending recession. Actually, it's a lousy idea all around. We have no money in the federal government. Although Marion co-sponsor Representative Rosa DeLauro framed their bill as an emergency measure in response to the Wuhan coronavirus, the pair were in fact reintroducing a bill they had pushed before. As Samuel Hammond, Director of Poverty and Welfare Policy for the Libertarian Nisikin Center, noted, DeLauro and Murray have introduced versions of this bill in the past and will no doubt do so again in the future. For better or worse, Republicans are simply not about to pass a new and permanent paid leave mandate, but they may be open to something more temporary. This is how the Democrats open the door. And here they are now using this pandemic, as the World Health Organization calls it, using this emergency bill to push their agenda. And you haven't heard a damn thing about this on the Constipated News Network, on MSLSD, on the pages of the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, or any of the rest of the big red China media in America. Now, Delora Murray's original bill, Healthy Families Act, would cost employers roughly $1.5 billion a year, according to analysis from the Congressional Budget Office. The DeLauro-Murray bill would impose these requirements on businesses with 15 or more employees, many of which are likely to face substantial financial strain in the coming months. While congressional Democrats have focused on implementing universal sick leave, other liberal groups have used the crisis as a pretext for pushing other priorities. Multiple criminal justice reform organizations, so-called, have called for the mass release of jail detainees and a major reduction in arrests. The Center for American Progress, which is actually the Center for American Regress, one of the nation's leading liberal think tanks, called for a moratorium on immigration enforcement at or near testing sites and hospitals, citing no evidence that federal immigration officials were prioritizing such such enforcement efforts during the current crisis. So they would have open borders and a massive new expense for employers that have 15 or more employees. That's the answer for the Democrats. Oh, and by the way, don't call it the Wuhan virus, because then you're a racist, despite the fact that they had. Democratic spending groups have also moved to leverage the coronavirus to their electoral advantage. One major dark money group, Protect Our Care, has launched an ad attacking incumbent Republican Senator Steve Daines of Montana. His opposition to Obamacare. Senate Majority PAC, which pushes for the election of Democrats to the Senate, has also launched an ad hitting Republican and Michigan Senate contender John James for his record on health care. So now they're attacking Republicans, claiming that they opposed Obamacare, which would have helped, you see, during this crisis, or that they don't support some kind of socialist government takeover of health care, which, of course, would help solve the problem of this crisis, quote-unquote. The use of a crisis to further a pre-existing agenda is hardly unprecedented. The idea that crises are opportunities for political change is perhaps best captured by Emanuel. Emanuel's comments presaged the Obama administration's all-of-government response to the crisis, which proponents cheered for keeping the recession from growing worse. Critics, however, perceived the bailout of major banks and the effect of nationalization, the U.S. auto industry, it's a dangerous expansion of federal government, one which helped prom- uh, prompt the uh, rise of Libertarian Tea Party movement and so forth. So the Democrats have an agenda to grow the government, to push their policies, and hope that you won't see. And if you do see, to accuse you of opposing to help the sick and the infirm and the potentially dead. With this virus, this is how they work. And so you have an individual like Joe Biden, who is incapable of an original thought, or even his own thought, out there today for talking about what? For talking about how, if you call it the Wuhan virus, then you're obviously a xenophobe, a racist. And he has his multiple-point plan for how to deal with this, which is perfectly fine. He can have a zillion-point plan for how to deal with this. He's in charge of nothing. But they're not alone. Jim Acosta, CNN, the red Chinese government propaganda machine, Joe Biden, they're all in sync. They're all in sync. But Jim Acosta is not really a reporter. He's a demagogue and a propagandist. And I'm sure the red Chinese genocidal regime in China loves the guy. So here he is on CNN. Hat tip, real real clear politics, cut, seven, go
4: at one point during this address uh the president referred to the coronavirus as a quote foreign virus uh that that i think was interesting because as i was talking to sources earlier this evening one of the points that the president wanted to make tonight wanted to get across to americans is that this virus did not start here uh, but that they're dealing with it now why the president would uh, go as far as to describe it as a foreign virus that is something we'll also be asking questions about but it it should be pointed out that stephen miller Uh, who is an immigration hardliner, who advises the president, is uh, one of his top domestic policy advisors and speechwriters, was a driving force in writing this speech. And I think it's going to to come across to a lot of Americans as smacking of uh, xenophobia, uh, to use that kind of term in this speech,
0: Chris. And that's uh, Chris Cuomo he's talking to, a, a certified idiot. Now, we know what the red Chinese government is doing. And look. The red Chinese propaganda is crossing Jim Acosta's lips. He's repeating it. It wasn't that long ago when the media were calling it the Wuhan virus. But it is a virus that started in a foreign country. We even know the province, Wuhan. People even think they know the the exact location where it started. The science theory, it's a theory, is that it was a virus carried by bats. In China, they have these open, live animal markets, and not animals like you might think, koala bears, and snakes, and monkeys, and so forth, that they eat. Yum, yum. And that somehow it passed to those animals, and then from there to human beings either by touch or by air or by consumption. That's a scientific theory right now, a strong theory. But what our media are telling you, and what the red Chinese government is telling you, is don't refer to it as a virus from China, as a virus from Wuhan. The real journalists in this matter are not those sitting in the United States. Jim Acosta doesn't seek to go to Wuhan. Not a single person you're watching on television seeks to go to Wuhan, has asked to go to Wuhan, China. None of them. They fear for their own health, they fear for their own safety, and the Chinese will have nothing to do with them. Ask the Wall Street Journal where a number of their reporters were kicked out not that long ago. Not over the virus, not Wuhan, but over other matters that the Chinese government didn't like. The real reporters are those citizen reporters who have disappeared the real reporters are the doctors who first who first pulled the alarm who are now missing or dead. Not Jim Acosta who has tough questions for our president. And now it's xenophobic to point out where this virus started. No, it's not. They want to go back to 1619 and accuse America of having slavery in its DNA. We want to go back a few months into November to point out that this began in Red China and that the Red Chinese didn't handle this properly and the Red Chinese sought to cover it up. And as a result, many of their people traveled the country, traveled outside the country, it infected other countries, and now it's infecting our country. The same people who will sit there and parse the President's speech are now telling you what you can and cannot say about this virus. This virus did not start in America. It did not start as a result of habits and cultural conduct in America. It started in China. SARS, the SARS virus. They killed upwards of 17,000 Americans. That started in China. And China doesn't want
3: you to know that either.
0: I'll be right back. Love So I've been watching these riots around the country. I'm absolutely sickened. I'm sure most of you are. You know, John Locke once said, law is not to abolish or restrain, but to preserve and enlarge freedom. Where there's no law, there's no freedom. You want to let rioters burn down your cities? There goes your freedom. You want to get rid of cops? There goes your freedom. You want to elect Joe Biden? There goes your freedom. As you've heard me say many times, I have a liberty agenda. And at Levin TV, which airs on Blaze TV, you can watch this come to life with our conservative pro-American content that reveres our Constitution and champions our individual freedoms. This is what we do each and every day. And there's never been a better time to check us out. Just go to LevinTV.com, L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com, and sign up today for a free 30-day trial. That's right. We're going to give you a full month of Levin TV and all the other great shows on Blaze TV at no cost to you, but only if you subscribe right now at LevinTV.com. One other thing, folks. Over there at the uh, Daily Caller, Christian Daytalk points out that White House officials alleged Speaker Pelosi pushed to include Hyde Amendment loophole into the coronavirus stimulus plan. Well, what's this about? She sought to include a potential way to guarantee federal funding for abortion into the coronavirus economic stimulus plan, according to multiple senior White House officials. And they alleged that while negotiating the stimulus with U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, who's a lib, Pelosi tried to lobby for several provisions, that stalled bipartisan commitment to the effort. One was a mandate for up to $1 billion to reimburse laboratory claims, which White House officials said would set a precedent of health spending without protections outlined in the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment blocks clinics that perform abortions from receiving federal funding, and Democrats have pushed the Trump administration to end it since he was elected in 2016. A second White House official referred to the vision as a slush fund, And yet another question, what the Hyde Amendment and abortion have to do with protecting Americans from coronavirus. The the irony that they claim to be wanting to protect us from the coronavirus, these Democrats, while pushing for abortion on demand funded by the American people. What is it about killing babies in the womb that so obsessed these people and even killing babies outside the womb? as a result of so-called botched abortions. But look what they're trying to do. Push a massive government mandate on small employers and large employers to to set criminals free from our federal prisons, to massively expand abortion by, by compelling federal funding of abortion. These are just three Three of the things the Democrats have tried to include, tried to include in the coronavirus stimulus package. And I've been watching not a single newsroom that's reporting on this. Not one has pointed this out. Not one. This is why the American people are constantly in the dark about what takes place. So when Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders get up and say the president is mishandling it, how would they handle it? More abortion? More government mandates on employers. And more freed felons. That's how the Democrats would deal with the coronavirus. And by the way, don't you dare criticize their dear friends, the communist Chinese. Don't you dare call this virus the Chinese virus. Or the Wuhan virus. Because the communist Chinese have made clear. They've made clear openly and surreptitiously. That you better not do that. We are busy blaming the United States and Donald Trump for this. And the Democrats, of course, are more than happy to oblige. I'll be right back. It's been reported that Americans are overpaying on car insurance by over $21 billion. But searching for a better deal can take hours and typically results in a barrage of unwanted spam calls. Until now, thanks to the zebra.com. free you can save up to six hundred and seventy dollars a year using thezebra.com. whatever your economic situation the zebra is committed to helping you save how much can you save on car and home insurance go today and start saving at the zebra.com slash levin that's the slash levin spelled t-h-e-z-e-b-r-a.com slash l-e-v-i-n Let's face it, there's no such thing as private browsing, even in incognito mode, even if you clear your browsing history. Your internet service provider can see every single website you've ever visited. That's why I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN server, uh, and they make sure your ISPN, that is, internet service provider, can't see what sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted their ExpressVPN secure servers. Now, each ExpressVPN server has an IP address that's shared among thousands of users. That means everything you do is anonymous and can't be traced back to you. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with the best-in-class encryption, even when you're using public Wi-Fi like a cafe or hotel. Use the Internet in Confidence from your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Simply tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated number one by TechRadar, by Wired, by The Verge, and countless more. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit my special link at expressvpn.com slash mark, and you'll get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's EXPRESS VPN. Dot com slash mark, expressvpn.com slash mark to learn more. All right. We have a very busy professor and doctor in Mark Siegel, who's been all over the place, but he hasn't been here. Dr. Siegel, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Well, listen, doctor, uh, we're getting a lot of mixed information here. We have people who are panicking the hell out of the population. And, and then we have people who are trying to settle things down a little bit here. I mean, I've lived through all these other, the SARS and H1 and H this and H that and the rest of it. Give us the straight answer. What's going on here?
5: Well, we've never seen anything like this before. And I mean the hysteria. So the actual virus has some level of concern to it. All the previous ones were pure hype. I mean, Ebola was hyped, and nobody bothered to tell you you couldn't catch it. Hmm. Anthrax was hyped. Nobody bothered to tell you it's not even contagious. SARS—they forgot to tell you—it was dying off and wasn't contagious. So this one, they got a hold of a virus that seems to be contagious. You know, is actually milder than SARS, much milder than SARS. And in, in an organized country, which, by the way, is a stepchild of ours, South Korea, they're, check, they're testing twenty thousand people a day there, Mark, and they're finding less than a less than a point seven percent mortality rate. So, in other words. And it's and the cases are starting to decrease, and they're still under ten thousand in South Korea. So I think we're we have something here we need to study. But the draconian response is beyond belief, and it's destroying our economy.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I mean. Uh, I- Honestly, I'm just a pedestrian here. I've been around a little while. I'm looking at these numbers. They put them on the screen like they're watching a basketball game. How many people have it? How many people died from it? We don't really know how many people have it or have had it. It could be sort of subterranean or something of that sort. A lot of people die. They may have it. But maybe they had a heart attack. Maybe they were sick to be Who the hell knows? Well, I don't
5: we do know. know all of that. We do know all of that. Almost everybody that's dying from it is 80 years old or above. Most of them have other medical conditions like emphysema or heart disease, something major, you know, or or cancer, God forbid, but they're immunocompromised. So these are the people at risk. Young people are not dying of this. And And we're using to scare us China when we don't know what actually happened in China. We don't know if they got any medical care at all. The thing obviously was going on for months in China without anybody telling anybody. President Trump, actually responded very quickly with his travel restrictions. Now he's he's banning travel to Europe, which is really smart because Europe didn't restrict travel. So here's the thing that's most important that I have to say, Mark. These are public health measures. The public is misperceiving them as risk and danger. That's not what it's about. It's about decreasing the amount of virus that's around so that elderly people are less at risk. That's all it is.
0: Here's what's concerning me, Doctor. There's a handful of you who actually know what you're talking about on television. Then we get former congressmen, current congressmen, uh, former federal prosecutors, professors, the same hosts, the same, uh, the same contributors we've seen year in and year out on television, all passing judgment on what's going on. They don't know what the hell's going on. They don't know any more than I do, do they? No.
5: And, and, and they're, they're, they're repeating what they hear on some other show. And, of mm-hmm. course, you know that there's a political agenda here. Let's make the economy economy unstable. Let's, let's criticize the president. I mean, all of this has, an, has a dual agenda. You know, then there are the lawyers, of course, and I shouldn't even be saying this. I'll say it on the radio because you can't see me. The lawyers <laughs> are thinking, you know, well, if they don't close that stadium or they don't close that school and, and somebody, God forbid, gets it and another school was closed, guess what happens? It's a lawsuit.
0: Mm-hmm. You so know what? You know, these slip-and-fall lawyers are always poised to jump, aren't they? I'll say it on this show. And by the way, doctor, just for factual information, more people are listening to you right now on this show than watch you on TV. That's the nature of talk radio. It is massive. But I want to continue. Don't be nervous. I I want to continue. By the way, what kind of doctor are you?
5: I'm an internist. I'm a professor of medicine. I've written three books on contagion and one on the fear of contagion.
0: How about so that? Of
5: alarm, the Truth About an Epidemic of Fear, which talked about what you just described, which is after 9-11, we had a punctured psyche, public psyche, and we thought everything was going to get us. And here we are again.
0: I mean, the stress level, the, thing, the things I'm hearing from people are, are, are it's incredible. I mean, I, I go to the, the supermarket. There's no toilet paper. What the hell does toilet paper have to do with this, doctor? I saw someone in the elevator with a hoard of toilet paper. I said, what are you doing
5: with that? Are you hysterically... You know, I know her. And she said, no, I'm buying it because everyone else is. And I know they're going to run out.
0: <laughs> and then the bottled water's going. Is there something wrong with our uh, our water system, doctor?
5: No, I don't, I don't think so. I think that uh, everybody's panicked and worried that they're going to put a rope around the place. And I think it's a very unhealthy environment. And I think that people are really crazy, hysterical, and you said the most important thing. They're self-appointed experts. Everybody has an opinion. You know, Mm -hmm. if if they see it on the television or they see it on social media and they have an opinion, but I'm entitled to an opinion. I've been following contagions for many years, and my book, False Alarm, was a bestseller, and that was before any of this. And I, I have to tell you, I know why this is happening, because the other contagions were completely ridiculous. This one has a little bit of credibility.
0: And the and, and I don't know what else they expect the president to do. Do they want him nationalizing industries? Do Do they want him to put the national guard on the borders? Uh, are we going to uh, Are we going to uh, ground all the aircraft? Are we I mean, What What is it exactly that they want this president to do?
5: Well, you know my answer to this because it's one you agree with. Had the Had the president called this a national emergency last night, he makes a lot of smart decisions when it comes to public health. I can't I can't go. You know that's my field, but. Had he called in a national emergency, you'd have FEMA breathing down your throat and Department of Homeland Security. When meanwhile, somebody like Tony Fauci or the CDC director or, you know, or HHS are actually handling this quite well with some sober judgment and calm messaging. That's what we need. We don't need the hysteria and we don't need like the National Guard jumping on your door or even FEMA at this point. What are we talking about FEMA for? We We need to know how many cases we have of this. And, and, because, and we have a few thousand cases for sure.
0: But what do, what, do you make, what do you make, Doctor, of people who are saying this is the president's Chernobyl and Katrina as if this is some kind of man-made event in the United States and the president's responsible for it?
5: The president is responsible for only one thing. Early travel advisories, now the travel ban, putting together a terrific task force, listening to the judgment of scientists, you know, Fauci's been around a long time. Nobody's listened to him like this. The president puts together a good team, and, and he's following their guidance. And it's actually, it, 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 Dr. Fauci said today that they sat around and deliberated about, about the European ban, which I think was very, very bold. And I think his point that the president made last night was right, Mark, which is that, you know, that's where these cases are coming from. The public health officials are saying they're seeding our communities with virus coming from Italy, France, Spain over 14,000 cases, which, again, is a small number compared to the flu, which is 35 million cases in the United States this year alone. So,
0: But, but, now, but now, doctor, you have people who are playing with the numbers. In other words, they're saying 10 times as many people have died or will die from the coronavirus as have died from the flu. How do they know that?
5: No, they don't know that because they're not considering a few facts. And even, even Dr. Fauci got this wrong. Here's the deal. As a pandemic goes along, it becomes less deadly as the virus gets accustomed to the human host. Viruses are like anything. They want to survive, so they, so they don't want to really kill their host. So the natural selection will make the milder ones predominate. Secondly, there's a number of mild cases and asymptomatic cases in the thousands we are not counting. Because we don't know, because they're not diagnosed. Thirdly, as the virus state takes hold, you get more and more immunity, which slows down its spread and decreases its death rate. So over time, this is going to get less and less deadly. The number I'm looking at is 0.7% in South Korea, which, again, has done a pretty good job at containing this. And so, one more thing, Mark. Yeah. One more mm-hmm. thing, Mark. I still believe the thing is seasonal. And so Dr. Fauci and I agree on this, that there's a very good likelihood that it will die down in, in the warmer months, as many as many respiratory viruses
0: do. And so the advice you give to the American people is the advice we've heard. Wash your hands. You know, limit involvement with big crowds. Don't panic. You don't have to go on a buying spree. Make sure you have your medicines. In other words, do these things that are rational and commonsensical. Is that pretty
5: yeah, much it? I always add a caveat to that. I always say... If you wash your hands and you stay hydrated and you sleep well and you distance yourself from someone sneezing and coughing, there's going to be a big benefit here. You're going to cut down on influenza cases. So it doesn't even matter how many of these cases there really are. It's something we should be learning to do anyway. So there's a gain to that. But every time you say, change your clothes, you're signaling corona is in your midst. And that's where the hysteria is coming from. Too much personalization of worst-case scenarios thinking it's going to get me when it's not.
0: You know, Dr. Mark Siegel, I don't know you, although I feel I have watching you on television all these years. You're a very bright man. You're a very courageous man. What is the name of the book again? I want to get it out there. Mr. Producer, put it on our social sites.
5: Thank you, Mark. A False Alarm, The Truth About the Epidemic of Fear.
0: False Alarm. I can't think of a book that's more important right now. The Truth About what is it?
5: The false alarm, the truth about the epidemic of fear.
0: The epidemic of fear. Unbelievable. Doctor, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
5: Mark, pl- great pleasure to be on with you. I'm a fan of yours as well.
0: Thank you, and God bless you, sir. This is a real doctor. He doesn't play one at home. He's a real doctor. He's also a professor. This is his wheelhouse. False alarm. You ought to get the book, particularly those of you who are stressing out. Ask yourself this question when you're watching cable TV or reading a newspaper or something. What exactly do these people know about anything? And could you trust them before? Why do you trust them now? Same with these never-Trumpers. They want to sit there and trash the president on a speech and sit there and and diagnose the speech and chop up the speech. What is the point of this? Then they want to condemn the president. Time to step up there, Mr. President. You know, the speech was okay. It wasn't. What the hell are they talking about? Joe Biden is out there telling you, "Don't be a racist. Don't call it the Wuhan virus. Don't call it the the China coronavirus." No, no, no. Don't be a racist. This is this is how they think. And then we're being told, you know, what's really missing here? Government-run health care. If we had government-run health care, that's what Bernie Sanders basically said where everybody's covered for everything. This wouldn't be going on. This wouldn't be going on. Well, is that right? Well, according to the, let's see here, one of the prominent British papers, the Daily Mail, Italy, where this thing has spread, because they didn't do what President Trump did, Italy is basically now telling its it's healthcare professionals, stop treating old people. Stop treating the elderly. Our hospitals are overwhelmed. Our doctors are overwhelmed. Our testing is overwhelmed. Stop treating the elderly. Well, you just heard Dr. Siegel. And he told you the people who are being killed by this are the elderly, not the youth, and not all elderly, elderly who have certain Issues going on, heart disease or something that, uh, that is quite severe to begin with. So there you have government-run health care, pretty much, in Italy, which is now rationing care and saying the very people who need it the most, the elderly. Intensive care units, I'm quoting from the article, are advised to stop treating the elderly stop treating the elderly. I guess, would that include Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden? I'll be right back. Mark
3: Levin.
0: Do you know what we do at Levin TV on the Blaze TV network? Well, we give you intelligent content you won't see anywhere else. What's the name of the book again, Mr. Producer? I really want to promote this. False Alarm by Dr. Mark Siegel. I want you to get a copy of it. Go to Amazon and get it. It couldn't be more timely and more important. And this is Dr. Siegel's wheelhouse. That's quite obvious. You don't need to listen to these these politicians dressed up as journalists. And these politicians dressed up as Democrats. My God, they'll drive you off the roof. They're so full of it. And these clowns in TV and radio who pretend they know something, and the ones that know they don't know anything, what do they do? They turn on the president and start nitpicking. The value of this format and other formats that I'm on is you can actually talk to and with people who know what the hell they're talking about. You know, you'd pay off your IRS debt if you could, right? It's almost tax time. But maybe you just can't because you don't have the money. Now you're asking this important question. Is this the day the IRS shows up at my work, takes my wages, steals my bank accounts, and even knocks through my door? Let me suggest a way to end your IRS nightmare. Call Optima Tax Relief, America's most trusted tax resolution firm. They're experts in the Fresh Start initiative, a powerful IRS program that could save you thousands if you qualify. In fact, Optima has resolved over a billion dollars of tax debt for people like you. They are the best in this business. They have the best, most skilled, most aggressive experts who are there to protect you. Get the peace of mind that comes when you have Optima on your side, standing between you and the IRS, fighting to help stop aggressive collection actions and helping to protect your assets. Don't wait. Put your iris where he's to rest. Call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-62300. Some restrictions apply. And for complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Look, I'm not saying, and Dr. Siegel's not saying, if you have a very weak immune system, you need to be smart. If you're elderly and you have some underlying significant issues, again, be careful where you're going. Stay clean. You don't need a whole lot of visitors. Just cool it for a while. That's the truth. And this will get bigger because it's a virus. But there does need to be context, there needs to be common sense you need to take a look at history recent history and so it doesn't take a brainiac to say that this is going to get worse before it gets better it's true but it also doesn't take a brainiac to say this isn't the bubonic plague because it's not it is the Wuhan Chinese coronavirus it came out of China It spread through China. China, because of its communist regime, allowed this to spread outside its borders. I'll be back.
1: From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody,
0: Mark Levin here, our number eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. 381 That's not our number. It's like a habit. I can't help it. I'm like Pavlov's dog. We have a new temporary number due to the fact that we're had to organize our program uh, from a new studio with new satellites, new interchanges, new all kinds of stuff. But we did it. The number is eight six six five zero five four six two six eight six six five zero five four six two six. I want to thank Bart Tesler. I want to thank Rich Cimenta. I want to thank our man. Justin, and all the other folks that made the airing of the show today possible because it was a hell of a job. I will not be here tomorrow. It's not because I'm sick. It's not because I have the coronavirus. Nothing untoward, nothing sickly. I have something I actually have to do. And so I will be doing it tomorrow. And of course, I'll be back on Monday, God willing. Uh, we have a third guest tonight in just a few minutes. Great Senator Tom Cotton, who I've come to really respect in a big way. Uh, he's been focused on China for a long time, and I wanted his uh, input into what's taking place as well. Now, I want to move to another subject first before we get to Senator Cotton. There's a piece in the style section of the Washington Compost dated today by a woman by the name of Margaret Sullivan. She's a reprobate, very nasty left-wing woman. Uh, who considers herself particularly intelligent, which means she's the opposite. Sort of the Joe Biden of the style page. And when you're writing for the style page, that's like the lowest of the low. That You know, just below that, you know, you're writing the classifies and the obituaries. But anyway, here's what she writes. Because the media hate Fox. The media hate talk radio. The media hate you. It is the weirdest thing to have these endless op-eds, opinion pieces, television shows that are focused on the undoing of the Fox News channel. These are the same people who claim they believe in the First Amendment and a free press. They don't. They only believe in a left-wing Democrat Party press. All the rest can go to hell and they wouldn't mind in the least. Margaret Sullivan, Margaret Sullivan, Murdoch should cure Fox News' distortions. The insidious feedback loop between President Trump and Fox News is no secret. Okay, there you go. Now, the insidious feedback loop between the Washington Compost and every Democrat president, between the Washington Compost and the Democrats in Congress, among the reporters in the Washington Compost, who are left-wing Democrats, or have family members that are, that's not a problem. It's Little Fox. Even though it's the biggest of the cable news channels, when you look at the whole world of television and the whole world of news, it's a little speck. But it's too much for Margaret Sullivan. And her boss, Bezos. When Trump says jump, the network leaps into action. And what the president hears on Fox News often dictates his own pronouncements and policies, which in turn are glowingly represented in Fox News' coverage and commentary. You know what's interesting? Every president gets a press pack once, twice, three times a day. It's a package of news clippings, of news clippings, or I guess copies of website postings. Democrat presidents love the Washington Post and the New York Times and the vast majority of the media. And it influences them. That's why they have opinion writers to try and influence the president's opinion and the public's opinion of the president and so forth and so on. Donald Trump isn't dictating anything to anyone at Fox. I've talked to Donald Trump. I've met Donald Trump. I'm a huge admirer of Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't tell me what to say. And if I have a disagreement with my president, he's not so angry or furious and so forth. If you try and sabotage him, well, why would he talk to you? But I'm not in the business of sabotaging the president. The left is. The news media are. And because we don't join in, they hate us. That's never been anything short of dangerous since the effect has been to create a de facto state-run media monster more devoted to maintaining power than shedding light on the truth. So now Fox News is a state-run, a de facto state-run media monster. Now this hack, Margaret Sullivan writes this, so she'll get an attaboy from her so-called colleagues in the newsroom, little social circle she runs in, bunch of jerks, circle. Well, you get the point. So three paragraphs of hyperbole. That's it. Then it goes on. There's never everything short of dangerous, as we said. But now the mind meld of Fox News and Trump is potentially lethal as Trump plays down the seriousness of the coronavirus. And hearing nothing but applause from his favorite information source for doing so sees little reason to change. Trump, Fox News, a.k.a. Republicans and Conservatives, are now responsible for whatever happens with the coronavirus. That's what this idiot is writing. This complete buffoon. There's one person who could transform all that in an instant. Fox founder Rupert Murdoch, the Australian-born media mogul who at age 89 still exerts his influence on the leading cable network and thus on the president himself. Do you know... Then a little over two years, since I've been doing Life, Liberty, and Levin, and my many years of appearances on Fox, going back to I don't know, really from the beginning, Hannity and Combs, among others, I've had one conversation with Rupert Murdoch in my life, and that's when he decided to hire me. Haven't had one since. It doesn't tell me what to say. Meanwhile, over there at CNN, the constipated news network. Jeff Motherzucker, he's whispering in the host's ears, telling them what to say on impeachment everything. Notice Margaret Sullivan ignores all that. And it's not an accident or a coincidence that the Washington Compost news pages, editorial pages, style section all speak with one ideology. It goes on. Chris Wallace, the independent and tough-minded Fox News interviewer, who serves as the network's chief reality officer, Chris, she ain't helping you, trust me. She ain't helping you in one bit, has revealed that the executive chairman of the News Corps and co-chairman of Fox Corps likes to give feedback on what he sees on the network. Quote, he cares tremendously about the news, Wallace said, according to The Guardian. When I have contact with him, he never is asking about ideology, just what's going on, what's happening, tell me. That's, ladies and gentlemen, friendly. Mr. Producer, I probably say that to you when I come on, don't I? How you doing? What's going on? Don't you folks say that when you go to your workplace or when you talk to other people, colleagues and so forth? That's a little hard to believe, writes Margaret Sullivan, because she knows everything. Given the network's long history of Clinton bashing and birtherism lies about Barack Obama and it's peddling of conspiracy theories no 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 i don't believe fox was peddling the russia conspiracy theory do you folks or the ukraine conspiracy theory do you folks now that would be the washington compost and this birthism stuff sure there are people who promote that stuff but the network wasn't promoting that stuff get your facts right you moron you moron may i say that i will say that let's continue so imagine if the word flowed down from on high that Fox News should communicate to Trump that he needs to take an entirely new track on the virus. Imagine if Murdoch ordered the network to end its habit of praising him as if he were the dear leader of an authoritarian regime, and he goes on and on and on. Notice this, this moron, not a word about an authoritarian regime. That's the source of this virus. Not a word about the steps the president has taken early on and since to try and address this. This is why you despise the Washington compost. This is why it's bankrupt. It was going under until a billionaire from Mexico, a telecommunication magnate, bought 20% of it. Actually, it's the compost, not the New York Times. Oh, Bezos, he bought it and saved it and protected it. And this clown's job. I'll be right back. love, AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over two million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Senator Tom Cotton, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm okay. What do you make of... Uh... Well, first of all, these attacks on the President of the United States, isn't it interesting that there's a lot fewer attacks on Xi and what China did to cause this in the first place? Yeah, it's
4: the Chinese Communist Party that's ultimately responsible for this virus spreading around the world,
0: Mark. And so why we have people telling us, don't call it the Chinese virus, don't call it the the Wuhan virus, and I'm reading that the Chinese government is pushing this propaganda that, If you use those words, you're obviously a racist. And now they're blaming it on the United States. Have you read this? Have you heard this?
4: Oh, Mark, I have seen it now for weeks. A bunch of politically correct left-wing busybodies who have obviously lost their mind. First Mm -hmm. off, all those outlets that are now running hand-wringing pieces about calling this the Chinese coronavirus, the Wuhan virus, themselves use those terms in recent weeks, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, and so forth. And second, it is important that we use those terms in no small part because the Chinese Communist Party is trying to claim the United States is responsible for it. That kind of disinformation is appearing as we speak on Chinese language media in
0: China. That kind of information in many respects, in one way or another, is appearing in America media. Have you noticed that?
4: Again, it is remarkable that our media will rush to attack the president in the middle of a pandemic when they say really not a word about Xi Jinping and what the communist goons did to help create this crisis in the first place by refusing to sound the alarm early in December by cracking down on whistleblowers like Dr. Whelan Yang, who is now dead of the coronavirus, leaving behind a pregnant wife and a young child, and other efforts to sweep all this under the rug.
0: Tell me, how many of our top scientists have been allowed in the Wuhan province to figure out what the hell is going Uh, on here?
4: Mark, I'm not aware of a single one. None. Um, we've, We've had small teams in Beijing, but that doesn't do much good. Um, China is obviously still trying to cover up what happened in Wuhan and how this virus spread so rapidly throughout China and then around the world and trying to blame other people for what is plainly their fault.
0: How many American reporters, I don't expect senators and congressmen to go, American reporters, most of them are sitting in Washington, sitting in New York. How many of them have even sought permission to go to Wuhan province to figure yeah. out what the hell's going on?
4: So something tells me, Mark, that all those people comfortably sitting in green rooms and newsrooms in Washington D.C. and New York have not been aggressively pursuing visas to get into China so they can visit Wuhan. Now, some of the, some of the bureaus. Reporters in Beijing have gone to Wuhan. I think they've had trouble staying there because the Chinese Communist Party doesn't want any transparency there. But all of these left-wing reporters and talking heads on TV, suffice to say, they're not exactly beating down the door to Beijing to try to figure out what actually happened in China.
0: Now, when this thing broke out sometime in November, probably earlier, we learned about it in this country maybe December, early January. What was the United States Senate doing?
4: Well, I'm going to tell you exactly what we're doing because I remember it vividly. Uh, We were sitting in an impeachment trial in January and February. Um, In fact, there was a story in my local newspaper in Arkansas about me stepping out of the trial. The headline said that cotton puts virus ahead of trial. Um, Shame on you, sir. Yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, it proved prescient. Uh, I wish it hadn't. Uh, but from the very first days in January, when I first saw reports of a viral pneumonia caused by an unknown virus in central China, I began drilling down on it. But our media and the Democratic Party was busy pursuing a reckless impeachment trial. Um,
0: it's uh, it, it's just And, Senator, it would, it would have gone on longer if you had witnesses. And we don't hear about John Bolton anymore, do we? Yeah, I mean,
4: probably it would still be going on now. And I mean, I said it, as I said at the time, if it wasn't for that trial, this would be the biggest story in the world. And that's where we are now.
0: You know, there, there's, there are theories on how this started, this virus, going from bats to these open live animal markets, uh, then somehow conveyed to human beings. Is that how you see this?
4: So, Mark, that's one hypothesis. Uh, but given the fact that Chinese Communist Party lied about the origin, we now know, based on authoritative studies from Chinese scientists, that it didn't start in the Wuhan food market. I think we at least have to raise the question about the proximity of this virus outbreak to the Wuhan super laboratory. We know they research coronaviruses there. We know that China has a history of poor safety practices at its laboratories. This is all the more important that reason why China needs to be transparent and why we need a team of international scientists to be uh, available to or be allowed to visit Wuhan and get to the bottom of the origin of this virus so we can help understand how to uh, diagnose it, how to treat it.
0: And why is it, Senator Cotton, that you dare to even raise the issue saying it's worth looking at and you are attacked as some kind of a conspiracy nut?
4: Again, I mean, the media seems to be more eager to blame Donald Trump and blame Republicans than blaming Chinese communists for unleashing this plague on the world. And given the fact that this originated just miles away from that laboratory and that China has a long history of shoddy safety practices in their laboratory, of course, the only reasonable and responsible thing is to ask the question, get the evidence and see what it says. That's what we can't do right now, and that's what our media seems uninterested in.
0: And uh, let me ask you this. Have you been briefed on uh, on the virus? Do you feel like the administration is taking all the the professional steps it can? It's listening to its scientists and so forth. It seems to me they are. So,
4: so first, the president made a uh, tough but a bold decision in January to shut down travel from China. Um 22,000 people were arriving from mainland China a day. Unfortunately, a lot of his public health scientists said he shouldn't do that because sometimes these these so-called public health experts share the same kind of political correct outlook that our media does. He made the same difficult decision, painful though it may be for allies, to shut down travel from Europe last night, which is the new locus of the disease worldwide. the administration could do things faster. Much of the problems lie in the Center for Disease Control, which repeatedly botched the production of new test kits and impeded local, local laboratories or private businesses from developing test kits. That is improving, but it needs to get faster.
0: Mm-hmm. So there seems to be uh, some kind of schizophrenia running rampant out there, among other things, particularly on the left and with the never-Trumpers. On the one hand, they say the president must rely on the CDC and his scientists. Okay. On the other hand, they say the president must fire people because the CDC and those scientists let us down. Well, which is it?
4: Yeah, it, it can't be both, Mark, and I'll tell you what it should be. We have public health experts, we have scientists, in the same way that we have admirals and generals they are seasoned and they are skilled in their profession but in the end they are not making science decisions they are making policy decisions under the guise of science just Mm -hmm. like we expect the president to listen to the best military judgment of his admirals and generals we should expect him to listen to the best scientific opinions of his public health experts and scientists and so forth but ultimately he has to make the decisions
0: senator cotton thank you right on god bless you we'll be back Wuhan, China coronavirus, what the president has done, the media coverage, and the position of Joe Biden. We're going to address all of this. So I think it's a very, very important program. I hope you'll watch it this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Now, look, I don't appear on all these other shows to promote it like other guests, like other hosts do. Maybe I should. But I figure at this point, you either like the program or you don't. My goal is, once you've watched it, you've spent part of your Sunday with me and with the guests, you've learned a lot, and you've learned information that actually can improve your life or at least alert you to certain issues that you need to know about. So if you're sick of the coverage you're seeing, you question the information you're getting, I hope you'll watch this Sunday, very important, Life, Liberty, and Levin. When well, my special guest is Michael Pillsbury, one of the preeminent experts on China, as we go through these various issues. Very important as far as I'm concerned. Legal Insurrection is a great website run by a great guy. And they have a great piece here, which addresses something that I've raised myself. Yale psychiatrist Bandy X. Lee, who has repeatedly called Trump mentally unfit, refuses to diagnose Joe Biden by Mike Lachance. Remember, we had her on this program. Yale psychiatrist Bandy Lee. As concerns grow about Joe Biden's mental health, Lee is now refusing to apply the same standard to the former vice president. As Professor Jacobson, Bill Jacobson pointed out, watching Biden has become sad. It's obvious to anyone who watches clips of Biden campaigning that he's not as sharp as he used to be. Well, that's a nice way to put it. Bandy Lee suddenly thinks diagnosing someone from afar is inappropriate. Lance, uh, excuse me, Nancy Letourneau writes at the Washington Monthly. Bandy X Lee, one of the mental health professionals who's been very vocal about Trump's unfitness for office, explained why a declination to diagnose Biden is in keeping with professional standards. This is really quite outrageous. Bandy Lee says, "I don't diagnose without examination." And I do not speak about public figures in general, unless there is evidence of such profound danger to public health and well-being because of serious signs of mental instability in a public servant, that it would be public disservice not to share the knowledge and training that I have. Biden has not risen to this threshold. I never spoke up about a president or a presidential candidate either before or after Donald Trump, and neither have thousands of mental health professionals who have come forth with similar concerns in ways that are unprecedented in U.S. history for any president of any party. I only speak up when there's a medical need of such great magnitude as to risk the survival of the human species. This is definitely Donald Trump, not Biden. Nor is it Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, or any other false equivalences people wish to create for political purposes. Now, as recently as three days ago, Lee was repeating her claims about Trump To the clowns at the Salon website, Igor Dersh, if that is his name, he wrote President Trump's preoccupation with his own image. amid the spread of coronavirus is putting lives at risk, and Vice President Pence is only enabling him. Yale psychiatrist Dr. Bandy X. Lee told Salon in an interview this week, and it goes on. She's a fraud. She's a leftist dressed up as a professional. I had her on the program. It was obvious what she was. And uh, I'm not saying she's not qualified to be a psychiatrist. I'm saying what she's done is immoral and unethical. Immoral and unethical. Good piece in the American Thinker by Andrew Whitberg. If only America had this one thing, say Democrats, we'd be safe from coronavirus. What is it? A socialist health care system. And what do they do? Well, he points out throughout the Cold War, Europe didn't have socialized medicine. It had American-funded medicine because America subsidized Europe's defense budget. Second people in socialized medicine countries don't have babies. Europe has a negative growth rate. A pay-it-forward medical system doesn't work when the bulk of the users are using, not funding, the system, while the number of young people funding it shrinks. Europe tried to fix this by importing cheap labor from Turkey, Africa, and the Middle East. That's not working well. Third, socialized medicine doesn't offer care. It offers access. Access without good outcomes is not medical care. Scott Atlas's The Worst Study Ever, which is available intermittently, a commentary, broke out the numbers. You want to hear some of this? Well, I do. Well, Health Report 2000 was an intellectual fraud of historic consequence, a profoundly deceptive document that is only marginally a measure of health care performance at all. The report's true treatment was to rank countries according to their alignment with a specific political economic ideal, socialized medicine, and then claim it, claim it was an objective measure of quality. The nature of the enterprise came more fully into view with WHO's introduction and explanation of the five weighted factors that made up its index. Those factors are health level, which made up 25% of overall care, health distribution, which made up another 25%, responsiveness, counting for 12.5%, responsiveness distribution at 12.5%, and financial fairness at 25%. The definition of each factor revealed the ways in which scientific objectivity was a secondary consideration. So they politicized the process. Then they go through hospital care in China, does the piece in The American Thinker. The only way to control prices under socialized medicine is to deny care to society's dead weight. And who are the dead weight? The old and the sick. You see... That with Britain's Liverpool Care Pathway, which sent thousands of elderly patients to an early death. You just heard it in Italy. They told urgent care providers don't care for the elderly. You see, it's easy to save costs if you don't care for the elderly and the sick when you're running a health care system. Bernie Sanders, in addition to many other outrageous, stupid things, says we pay twice as much for health care as any other country. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it's a great thing. And maybe it's a great thing because we care about our elderly, because we're willing to pay money for these rare diseases that inflict several hundred or 7,000 people out of 320 million. Maybe it's because we truly are a compassionate people, not because people are getting ripped off and all the rest. Bernie Sanders, who hasn't produced anything, anything, not even a good bowel movement, I'm told hasn't produced anything, telling us all that needs to be done as he twists his figures in order, to, in order to get the ends willing to justify it in any way he possibly can. All right. I want to play two minutes of a clip for you before we end this fantastic program. Don Lemon on CNN yesterday. CNN is a disgrace to journalism, as is MSNBC, but CNN I want to focus on in particular. I started pointing out, now all the backbenchers point out, they have some kind of monopoly on the air, at the airports. I don't know how they got it, but they got it. The reason probably is, is they used to promote themselves of a true news site, a cable news program. Now they use that as a fig leaf to cover up that they're nuts. Yes, they cover up their nuts. May I say that, Mr. Producer? You understand the point. Now, Don Lemon is on CNN. Speaking of nuts, Don Lemon's on CNN yesterday, and he's screaming at John Kasich, who's a Never Trumper. Now, this is the kind of so-called news you get at the constipated news network, or you get Fredo Cuomo interviewing his brother. That's fantastic. What next? You're going to interview cousins and nieces and nephews, you clown. But let's listen to this. Cut eight, go.
2: Whatever script he read was wrong because they've had to clarify it several times. And I I just got to say, if the president came out to calm people's fears, he didn't do a good job of it because they've had to come back and clarify it several times. And this has been going on long enough for them to get it straight. We need straight Accurate information from this president and this administration, and we're not getting it. And I don't understand why you are tiptoeing around it. He came out, gave an address that that usually happens very rarely, and he doesn't get it right? I'm going to tell you, first of
3: all, he read it. And somebody that wrote this Look, I don't want to get into that. He well, it was well, on today That's why you're here tonight, to talk he about the president's can I, can address. Can I finish now? No, let no, me no, 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 no. No, you can't, John.
2: John, because we're here to talk oh, about I the president's. Of, wait, we're here. I don't want you. To, I don't want you to go on and deflect and talk about something else because we're here to talk about the president's address. And, and you said that someone else wrote it. He's the president. Even if someone Look, else he, wrote it, it should. Be I know right.
3: he did. And he has to be. Resp- Don, Don. He put the, he put this thing out because there was some confusion out there. OK, now there's is a more confusion, time. John. And what I look, look, I'm going to I'm trying to say to you, Don, we got to move down the road. Looking back doesn't get things fixed. We're not I'm looking not back. Ask, the president's address, more, why, the president's minute, address why, why more,
2: was tonight. <laughs> that is the news. I, I, well, I think his address tonight is the president's address.
3: I think it was fine. That's what I
2: think. You, you think, the wrong, you think inaccurate information was that you have it to was come back right and clarify tone. two or three times, you think that's fine? Uh, I, I, look, I thought he did
3: fine. That's what I thought. I thought he had the right tone and he no longer played around with we're going to blame Democrats or we're forget this stuff. He, he's, I hope he's trying to move forward because he understands the seriousness of this situation. Cut nine, go. Now, the fact that they clarify, it isn't unusual in a speech for somebody to to clarify something, okay? But I don't think that the tone he showed tonight takes away from some clarification. I think he set a serious tone. That's what I wanted out of him for a long time, and I think we got it. John. That's what I think. I I can be serious and sit
2: here and tell you four plus four equals 85. I'm serious. That doesn't mean that I'm right. The information he gave was not right. You have to come back and clarify several times information that you gave. Listen, I tried to cut him a break at the top of the show. You mean, show. like, who's going to
3: get back into the country? You mean, I, what, what? what is it that the clarification that you thought was so terrible? Tell me what you thought. I didn't was say so I bad. thought it was terrible. It I'm telling you that we're the in the middle of a pandemic speech. right now.
2: We're in the middle of a pandemic. And <laughs> every know. time this president comes out, he gives inaccurate information. So I don't understand why he would even come out and do it at all. If he is going to confuse the American people even. Even more, you don't understand that. You're a governor. Right? I'm surprised that you don't understand that. It's no, not going to help, no, no, Don, you're I not going to be do no, I, I do, do it?
3: understand it. Look, I'm just trying to tell you that I thought his tone tonight was good. So he had to clarify something, okay? Ninety-eight percent of what he did was
0: good. Let me ask you folks a question. That went on for about four minutes. Three and a half, four minutes. Don Lemon's supposed to be a journalist. Did you learn anything from this? Do you think it was useful? Does he treat Joe Biden this way, who never gets anything right? How about Obama, his hero Obama, who lied through his teeth a time and again? Serial liar about Obamacare, among other things. That bothered Don Lemon? Not in the least. I even hear it from pseudo-conservatives and never-Trumpers. Oh, that speech was awful, and he, he, they had to go back and clarify it. So what? You're Bernie Sanders who gives speeches, and he lies about everything—the biggest thing. You've Joe Biden who's lied about his life from day one, a plagiarist, and so forth and so on. This isn't what-aboutism or look at the other guys and shiny objects. The president of the United States gave a great speech. They needed to clarify a few things. Not because he was wrong, but because they may not have provided enough information when he was talking about people aren't coming here from Europe. He's not giving a speech with footnotes and parentheticals. That's not what he does. That's not what Reagan did. That's not what you do. But to suggest he doesn't know what he's talking about, and therefore he's not serious, and look at this, you got to make clarifications. My God, you better never read a newspaper or watch a news program. They're having to clarify all the time. I'll be right back.
3: Mark Lovin.
0: AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over two million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. Well, I won't see you until Monday. All is well. I have business to attend to tomorrow, and sometimes I just have to do it. I hope you'll join us on Sunday. We have a great show on my Fox show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, eight p.m. eight p.m. Eastern. I want to apologize to all the callers. We have excellent callers on our call screen. One, two, three, four, five, all seven. I apologize to Dave, Joe, Bill. Gerald, Cynthia, Leonardo, others, and so forth. Thank you all. My magnificent audience, thank you. I'm blessed by you. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. All the people up and down the chain who are working so hard to address and figure out this coronavirus. We do appreciate you on this program. Thank you. God bless you. I'll see you Monday.